Joining us right now is Doug Fernandez, and Doug, uh, longtime writer with the Saratoga, Sarasota Herald Tribune. How are you, Doug Fernandez? Can you want me to help you with that? Yes. Yes. Can you repeat it? What happened? I just heard you for a second. All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. How are you? All right, Stan. That's that's Doug Fernandez from the Sarasota Herald Tribune, and I am the columnist. So, so I'm not. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm not yeah. talking charge. But if you, here, but, but if you were in Saratoga, you'd be writing about racing, <laughs> right? You'd be writing about <laughs> racing in Saratoga, no question about that, it. If I was in Saratoga, exactly. You're right. You, if you were in Saratoga, your wife wouldn't be too happy with you. <laughs> hey, Doug, um, well, you've you've covered the Orioles since their move into Sarasota. Uh, it's been a number of years now. What's it been? Nine, ten years that they've been in Sarasota. Yeah, this, this, this is the tenth. In fact, they just honored the millionth fan uh, on their tenth anniversary here in uh, in Sarasota. Ten years. And what did that person win? Well, she won. Uh, it was she, she was picked at random. She represented the millionth fan, right? Uh, that they that they've joined at Smith Stadium. I spoke to her. I did a story on her. She won. A, a, not a bad booty. She won five thousand dollars. At a local jewelry store right. here in town, which made her husband very happy. She won the use of a Mercedes for a weekend, and she also won two season tickets to spring training for five years. Oh, that's so, good. That's a, that is a nice haul. Nice nice yeah. Just for walking through the turnstile. Was that Mrs. Know? Fernandez that won that? <laughs> By any chance? Yes, exactly. Right. And I'm putting the season tickets up for sale immediately. <laughs> Highest bidder. Hey, tell what do you think the relationship has been like between the city of Sarasota and the Baltimore Orioles, and how it's it's become sort of we're sister cities now. There's so many Baltimoreans uh, traveling to Sarasota now. Yeah, uh, yeah. On, on that point, first, uh, I know for a fact before the Orioles moved here, I don't think a lot of uh, Mid-Atlantic people. Uh, knew anything. I think they were more familiar with Saratoga right. than Sarasota. I mean, they had no reason to know the West Coast of the state since the Orioles trained on the East Coast. But I think since you guys have come here, they've discovered this area. They talked about economic impact to the area, uh, which has been a great impact. And I think what the Orioles have done is they've uh, embedded themselves in this community year-round. I mean, everybody knows they're yeah. here for spring training, but they host a, a lot of youth tournaments that bring in money to the area using the Twin Lakes facility, their minor league facility. I don't think a lot of people know when the Orioles leave town here that their presence in this area is still pretty heavy. And, uh, you know, going back to when the Orioles came here, you know, this area had a chance to get the Red Sox. Uh, you know, the Red Sox wanted to uh, maybe relocate back to their original home here, which is Sarasota, but that fell through. And when the Orioles came in, uh, I think it was a wait-and-see attitude, what they'd bring to the area. But they really have delivered on just making themselves visible, whether it's working with youth groups, whether it's working with athletes or students in the local community, local elementary schools, middle schools. So they've really done a nice job there. And what has to happen now is they have to match it with uh, having a competitive team on the field. That would be a, a, a really sort of capper on that. You know, the the sort of wisdom or genius of the relationship vis-a-vis Masson, where, you know, the trade-off that the Orioles gave back to Sarasota was in, in terms of marketing and advertising. When you can't watch an Oriole game during the regular season without promotion of something about going to Sarasota. And I think that's uh, been a big win for the city. Both on the radio uh, and TV. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I understand Virginia Haley, who's a Chamber of Commerce down here. She's been up there on Fan Fest Day. You're absolutely right, guys. Sarasota has been plastered in everybody's consciousness up there. Like I said, if you didn't know Sarasota before, yep. watch an Orioles game, and you'll certainly realize, oh, that's where they spring train now. And you're right. People come down from Baltimore. Uh, I've talked to them in the stands. A lot of them have probably bought uh, uh, homes down here after discovering how nice it is. That's why it's grown so much probably in the last 10 years. There's a lot more people here. But uh, the relationship is strong. And like I said, uh, you know, once these young players become good and they get that name recognition factor, I think that can only help. Doug, you know, one other thing, and we've written about it here at Pressbox. Bill Lardine, one of our writers, wrote something about four years ago about why why it was you virtually could not fly from Baltimore to Sarasota. That's changed a little this year. Allegiant Airlines flies in and out, I think, on Mondays and Fridays now, uh, which is so much nicer. Now, I didn't travel that way, but I, I travel into Tampa but it's so nice to be able to fly right into Sarasota. No, I mean, you're going to pay a little more, obviously. The convenience, you don't have to worry about driving down the 50-mile drive from Tampa. Yep. So there's that convenience factor. You're going to pay more. But the airport is beautiful. I mean, it was renovated about 15 years ago. It can handle all kind of carriers. I remember when the Red Sox were talking about coming here. JetBlue was talking about establishing mm-hmm. a direct line from Boston right into Sarasota. And when that fell through, now you have access uh, vis-a-vis that airline. But, uh, no, uh, driving into, flying into Sarasota, it's easy. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you park your car, you drive out of there, and you're within the beaches within 10 minutes. So it, it is real convenient there. It, it was basically kind of like when the Nats were in Vieira, right? Because you would fly into Orlando and then rent a car and go about forty-five, right. fifty minutes. Same thing to yeah. Vieira, as opposed to just being able to fly into Melbourne and you're right there. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you what's more. I'll tell you what's really convenient is that when the renovation deal included Twin Lakes, which is their minor league facility, yep. about you know ten miles away. Really convenient to bring over seven or eight minor league ball players from your camp for a game mm-hmm. and then hustle them back. Uh, there's not that logistic problem. So that's another benefit that can hopefully help the competitive nature going forward. That sort of stuff can only help. So we've talked a little bit about the logistics of the team being there. You've uh, witnessed um, the Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette era there, uh, which which fostered some pretty good baseball. How different is the Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde camp than it was with Duquette and Showalter? Well, you know, Again, this observation from somebody who's only for a month. I mean, I don't see these guys six months out of the year. But I think everybody can agree that uh, the Orioles could have started this rebuild that they're currently on last year or a year before. Mm-hmm. I think everybody was agree that they tried to squeeze one more year out of, this, out of the regime that was here last year, whether it was in the front office, the managerial thing, or uh, players in the, in the clubhouse. And it didn't work. Every, they, they were late doing it. Anything that could have gone wrong with that team did. And I think, you know, I've been in enough clubhouses or enough locker rooms in pro football where I think players can look around the locker room and assess what they have and whether they have any legitimate chance that season in their sport. And I think maybe a lot of the Baltimore veterans looked around last year, saw maybe the pitching staff, mm-hmm. and, and figured, you know, we don't have the horses this year. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris Davis in his opening press conference referenced 
indirectly sort of the clubhouse dynamic last year under Buck. You know, Buck has a history of turning things around, and then maybe, you know, like most head coaches or managers, they outstay their welcome. Yep. I think under Brandon Hyde, it's a, it's a different dynamic because they got a different clubhouse. There's none of these veterans who have guaranteed jobs. I mean, they got a bunch of young guys who are fighting and scrapping to get a major league job. I think a guy like Brandon Hyde was brought in here to instruct, to sort of lead, to be a cheerleader, to be positive. I mean, you know, they got a young guy, a young manager to sort of grow with his young players. And Mike Elias, we don't see him very much, uh, but he's the analytics guy. I think everybody agrees the Orioles are behind that curve in terms of using analytics to improve a guy's performance. You know, they had cameras out here at spring training taking slow motion pictures of the ball leaving guys' hand and the spin rate and stuff like that. The Alton was late to the party. They've reinforced that. So I think it's a, it's a new day, to use a cliche, in Baltimore. And I, I think uh, it, it was very needed as evidenced by the record last year. If you had to point out one thing that you've seen uh, covering this team in spring training that's impressed you most, what would that be? Uh, I just think the enthusiasm. And, again, that goes with being a 21-year-old guy who played a double-A last year, and suddenly you got a chance to win, you know, X position. I think the and that that's come down from Brandon. I, I mean, you know, Buck last year. You know, Buck was Buck. Buck could have been a little curmudgeonly type, uh, and maybe that filtered down veteran players. I think the enthusiasm and just the optimism. I, I mean, they're optimistic when the you know the general media predicts this team to lose a hundred games a year. Mm-hmm. So that's refreshing. Uh, that Brandon's a young guy. You know, learned under Joe Madden. Uh, and I think his enthusiasm has sort of rubbed off on his players already in spring training. Doug, have you been close enough to, to really observe sort of what what figure to be the position battles, uh, a little bit of how the roster's going to get made up? Because uh, for, a, for a team that we all agree, the, the upside is probably 65 to 70 wins would be fantastic this year, but yet – it, that sounds like a team you'd be able to easily say, here's your 25, and I go over it, and i got at least 35, 37 names that I think it's chisel, chiseling down to 25 is not going to be quite as easy as you'd think. Well, I mean, I think a team like this, you, you don't have to worry about service time. Like a guy like Richie Martin. Uh, Rule 5 guy, I wrote about him this spring. Right. Uh, went to high school down here. Really didn't hit in the minors. Hit last year. Oakland made him available. Baltimore grabbed him. Why not make him your starting shortstop? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, let's see. I mean, if you lose 100 games, you're going to grow with this guy. Let's see what he's got. I think the battles on this team right now are sort of the outfield positions. You know, Austin Hayes, he was here last year. He's had a fantastic spring. Uh, Joey Rickett has had a fantastic spring, and he's one of the veterans out there now all of a sudden. <laughs> Santanda has had a nice spring. Yep. Uh, Cedric Mullins, I mean, he played in left field. Everybody thought he'd be the center fielder. He had Hayes playing center field. He's, I'll tell you, he's, Hyde is moving guys around, seeing what he has, seeing if they can handle multiple positions, because I think this is a team where uh, I don't think you're going to have 25 clear-cut guys. I think you're going to have yeah. guys that maybe will move around, uh, maybe use guys in different positions. You may see Trey Mancini play a lot of first base this year if Chris Davis doesn't hit again. Or if, uh, or if Trumbo is not fully healthy at the outset of the season. 
Yeah, well, I think Trumbull's going to be the DH. I don't think you're going to see Trumbull play much make much positions at all this year. I think you're going to see him be the the DH and uh, with the with the with the fielding position out of the equation, maybe he can be uh, the Trumbull he was two years ago. Uh, and uh, and the, they need that bat. They need Chris Davis to return. They need somebody to take over the third base spot. I, I mean, I, has anybody really run away with that position yet? No. Uh, the bullpen. This guy Fry hasn't been hasn't allowed a run this spring. I think you have to pencil him in. Mike Wright uh, might get one of the rotation spots because he's had a great spring. So there are a lot of moving parts on this team right now, and there's a you know there's a week and a half left of spring training. Doug, I find one of the interesting things uh, about this team is Trey Mancini coming into this year. And here's a guy that came up and impressed when he got here, specifically with his bat. But I thought he worked very, very hard to make himself a left fielder that didn't embarrass himself while he was out there. But now where you have a, a situation where there's outfield depth and young guys trying to good earn, earn their player. way, yeah. good defensive guys, how much, not necessarily pressure, but what do you think Trey Mancini feels like coming into this season? Well, hopefully Trey should feel very comfortable because he's now one of the veteran guys. Yeah. And, listen, he had a little sophomore slump. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they didn't match his first year. But uh, I think Trey is primed to have one of those bounce-back years. Listen, I think you can pencil in Trey Mancini, if he has a Trey Mancini-type year, from anywhere from 20 to 25 home runs, you know, maybe a 270 average, and, uh, you know, however many ribbies, however many guys get on base for him to drive in. That's the key. I mean, you have a couple of guys in this lineup who you know can hit the ball, Mancini, Trumbo being another one. You just hope that these rest of these guys get on base, that guys like that can drive in runs. I, I mean, you know, everybody talks about spring training and, and you, know, they have, you know, they've looked good in some places. Once the bell rings and you're getting everybody's best, that's when you, you really got to maybe question what this team has right now. Uh, and you're right. I mean, they have 35 guys right now. How's a guy like Hyde going to whittle this team down to the players he thinks will make that trip up to New York and deserve to be on this team? One uh, that the, remains to be seen. One of the interesting things to me is I think it's pretty clear cut that he really likes Drew Jackson and his versatility. So Martin, the shortstop, and Drew Jackson are going to make the team two Rule 5 guys. If they want to keep Pedro Aruelho, They've got to keep him up for 17 more days at the outset of the season where they have to offer him back to the Cubs. Craig and Doug, what do you think they do on that? That's uh, it. I don't know. This, this, this team wrote the, wrote the, you know, invented Rule 5. I mean, every year they take a couple of guys. You know, bullpen, I, I think you're going to see a lot of the Orioles' bullpen, like even the Red Sox' bullpen worked last year, or a lot of teams where you have a couple of guys down in AAA, and uh, as the need as the need arises, you shuttle these guys back and forth to give them a blow, send them down, bring them back up, use the options you have available. I mean, I mean, I don't know, guys. Well, but they've got uh, the question though was specifically about Arojo. Do you think they keep him, Craig? Well, if I mean, they got to keep him up seventeen days. Right I'm not so sure that they need to keep him. Is what my point is okay. here. So from that standpoint, I hate to lose an arm like that. I know he wasn't great, but he, that's a guy who should have been pitching like in Double A last year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know. Doug, hey, Doug, we really appreciate you joining the show. 
And um, I think you should look into that move to Saratoga. (laughs) I hear it's pretty nice this time of year. uh, I'll tell you, I know a couple of nags down here, so maybe you're right. (laughs) Hey, it's great seeing you as always, and good to have you on. And we'll call you as events warranted. All right. Take care, Doug.